This week we are continuing our sermon series on identity. Last week uh, we looked at uh, who am I and the question of where do we kind of attach ourselves to and our answer was uh, I am loved, right? Like I am loved by God regardless of of who I am. Uh, Today we're going to explore a question that we've already been exploring through our worship and that's uh, what do I do if I'm not perfect? Oh, it's doing the same thing. Oh, it's Hold on, hold on. I think it's because I'm right-clicking. Wait, wait, don't, don't touch it. Let me try. Yes, I figured it out. Yeah, you know, just uh, they give me the, the, the advanced version of these, so it's tougher. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, this, this is a question I think comes up naturally after we hear, you are loved, you are loved, right? You know, so, so some of us, uh, we hear, I am loved, uh, and then, then we say, yeah, but like, I'm not perfect, you know, like I'm not, I, I don't deserve that, right? Like I'm not good enough, you know, like most of us uh, struggle with self-love. You know how I know that is because that's a concept we talk about in our culture, right? How can we love ourselves, right? You can't love others until we love ourselves. It's because we struggle with this, you know. Um, if we don't feel good about ourselves, right, we talked about last week, we probably think God doesn't feel good about ourselves. But even if we know that he loves us, well, what do we do if we're not perfect, right? If we're very aware that we're not perfect, what do we do with that, right? All right, from a non-Christian perspective, uh, most people, uh, you try to find some sort of grounding, right? Some place where you know that at least I'm doing this, right? At least I'm good enough. Identity is one of those places we go to, right? We say, this is who I am, and your identity tells you, well, this is what you do, and you say, well, I'm doing those things, therefore, I'm, I'm I'm good enough, right? Like, I know I'm not perfect. I know there's still things I wish I could be, you know, a person I, I, I would rather become, but at least I'm good enough. At least I'm accomplishing these things. Um, for example, um, you know, you say like a man, you're supposed to be the, the breadwinner, right? You're supposed to take care of your family, provide for their health, provide for their safety, uh, make sure that they're developing. And so you say, as long as I'm doing those things, I'm at least doing those things, right? So what if I'm not perfect? Well, at least I'm this. I'm a, I'm a good dad, right? You know, I'm a good husband. Or uh, you say like, uh, like a mom, right? Like there's a, a culture of like what a good mom is, right? You know, you cook good meals, healthy meals for your kids. You, you grow them, you educate them. Uh, you spend time with them, right? You don't spend too much time at work. And so, so for a little bit of us, or at least temporarily, our identities can kind of help us feel more grounded when we feel like I'm not good enough, right? But you know, even with those examples, identities do not do this well, right? They do not make you actually feel better. They don't actually help you become a better version of yourself. What identities are really good at is they're good at judging you, right? And saying like, you know what? You probably should spend more time with your kids. You know, you, you probably, your family probably needs more bacon being brought home, you know? Like you're not, you're not enough. You know, like, like plug in any identity that you have, you know, like being a, a good Christian, right? It's like being a good Christian. Well, I know what that looks like. Ooh, but also I'm not doing my devotionals every day. You know, like also I have things that I actually like need to confess that I'm not good enough. If you attach your identity to any other thing in the world, you will find that it judges you. It says, ah, close, but you need to get a little bit better. You need to do a You can't call yourself a real whatever it is, right? Because it has what you're supposed to be, and you are keenly aware that you don't measure up. Uh, I think this is the reason why uh, we, all, we all say, don't judge me, right? Like, don't judge me, right? And the, the identities that are the strongest, 
right? The ones that I think have the most appeal, the ones that I think churches are most threatened by are those that preach a radical tolerance, right? A, a radical acceptance that says, no questions asked. You are who you are, and that's good enough, just as yourself, right? Uh, we want those because that appeals to us. See, that sounds like God's unconditional love. But here's the thing. If you take an identity that's just a tolerance and acceptance, you still look in the mirror and you know that there's someone that you could be that you aren't, right? It's, it's like you almost hope that there's some potential in you that I could somehow grasp or somehow achieve, but I know I'm just not doing it now. And so you feel bad. There's still a gap. What you need is an identity that's going to give you that freedom, that acceptance to be yourself, but also an identity that's going to help coach you, grow you, help you become a better version of yourself. And I know of no identity that's going to do that except the one that's offered to us in this book and the person of Jesus. And that's what we're studying. Uh, we, we looked last week about, you know, we're loved by God the best way, I think. You know, we can read verses that talks about God's love, and those are all very true. Uh, but, but love itself needs to be expressed within relationships. There needs to be an other person in order to be loved. And so when we look at the person of Jesus, there's stories. Jesus was God, full representation of him in human uh, human form. And so then we can see how Jesus engaged with people, how he engaged with the unlovable people, and recognize that he loves us. Uh, the same way we can see how did he treat the people who chose to have an identity in him, to, to choose to identify with him, and you can see that he has this kind of radical acceptance, you know, unconditional love, and yet at the same time, this desire to gently, patiently coach, grow, develop the people around him. Uh, just read, like, the book of Matthew, I think, gives a good perspective on Jesus and his disciples. So it starts off, like, I'm not going to go through all the examples. I, I want to talk broadly, and then we'll, we'll go specifically to other parts. But when he calls his disciples, the only thing we learn about the disciples is, like, their occupation, right? It says he's walking along, and he called some fishermen. Say, here, come follow me. And grab two more. Come follow me. It says he came up to Matthew, a tax collector who's in his tax booth. So it's like at work, right? He's like going through the office building. He's like, hey, you want to follow me? You want to follow me? Okay. You know, and he just quit the job right then, right? And just followed him. The, the only thing we see about these disciples is some identities that other people see. When you see a list of them, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 10, there's uh, the son of so-and-so or, you know, Simon the zealot, you know, where we get basic identities, external identities that other people would have identified. Oh, that's this person, right? That's all we see. And Jesus doesn't have any sort of credentials, right? Like he's, he doesn't post a job application on Indeed. No one's coming in for interviews, right? You know, there, there's no prerequisite. He's not requiring them to do anything. He's just, here, come, come. Yep, you, fisherman, come. Yeah, tax collector, come. Just these, this random assortment, you know, it kind of feels like they're, they're the special ones, you know? It's just nothing about them other than the fact that they identify with Jesus, and he accepts them. That's totally fine. He never shames them, right? Never, you should have done this, you should have done that, right? And then you see him. He, he lets them be a part of what he's doing. He teaches them, you know, when he's preaching, uh, he's sharing parables, then he, he meets with them separately and kind of coaches them. Well, here's what it means. You know, he's teaching them separately. He, he lets them participate in the miracles themselves. Like when he's feeding the 5,000, the 4,000, he first goes, disciples, feed them. You know, and they're like, ah, I don't have that much, you know? And so then he allows them to participate and experience, right? They're the ones passing it out. They're the one collecting everything that's coming extra. 
they get sent out. Uh, uh, once in Matthew, Luke has two different times where they're sent out to go before Jesus to towns and uh, to proclaim that the kingdom of God is here, uh, but also to have the authority to cast out demons, right? To do miracles themselves. It's authority that they have no right giving, right? There's, there's no reason that they should have this ability and authority, yet God is patiently growing them. And then you see at the very end, you know, he, he passes the baton and says, you have to take this from me, right? Like, I'm ascending to the Father. The Holy Spirit's going to come, but I entrust the church to you guys. You know, I'm building my, my church on you, Peter, you know, and then all the disciples. You see this patient growth where the, the, the disciples are, are not perfect, <laughs> very much not perfect. Matthew highlights that. And Jesus accepts them, and he works with them, and he wants to grow them. This is what an identity and Jesus does for us. Uh, there's a couple portions, uh, the, the parts that I want to highlight. Oh, I have my main point first here. Uh, Jesus accepts you as you are, and he, he will not leave you there, right? So we talked yesterday, yesterday, last week, about how God loves you no matter what, right? And we even say uh, certain sins, right? Well, what if I'm a sinner? Well, you are loved by God, right? But, but he doesn't leave you there. And this, to me, uh, is consistent if you read through Jesus and his interactions with people that want to have an identity with him, want to be called a disciple. Uh, here's a passage that I think it's always thought-provoking when I read it because Jesus doesn't say the things I expect him to say. Uh, this is Matthew 8, 18 through 22. It says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Uh, I, I just feel like Jesus' responses here are so abrupt and, and like cryptic, right? Like foxes have dens, birds have nests, right? You know, and you're like, dude, Jesus, like this guy wants to follow you. <laughs> you know, it's like, like just let him, you know what I'm saying? Like, and then the guy's like, yeah, my, my dad died. And he's like, sorry, you know, tough luck, right? Come follow me. And it's like, no, 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 you're compassionate, right? So, so I always, when I read this, these verses, it's like, what, what is he saying? What, what is this about, right? So here's the difference, right? The two people that come up to Jesus here, uh, Jesus didn't call them like his disciples, right? These are people that are following him and saying, I want, I want to continue following him. And, and the profile we get, the identity of the first is a teacher of the law. So this is someone who's dedicated their life, right? This is their job is to, to study, understand the law. The role in the society is that they will know God and they'll help. And so he sees value in Jesus and he says, Jesus, I'm, I'm following you wherever. Like, like, let me have an identity with you. And instead of Jesus, like, this guy's way more qualified than the disciples. Like, you realize that? Like, like this, is, this is the guy who you, you would actually want to hire, right? Can you, can you imagine just um, the difference between going down some high school or at the warehouse, right? You're like, I have a task to be done. And you're like, here, I'll hire you. I'll hire you. Uh, yeah, we've got to do some, like, accounting work or something like that, right? And, and it's like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll try, right? And then you have an accountant coming to you saying, like, hey, can I help you with your accounting? And you're like, ah, well, let's hold on, you know? It's like, no, no, no. Like, I don't know why Jesus wouldn't want this guy, right? He'd be an all-star. He'd be, he'd be, he'd be the, the guy you build your team around, you know? And yet he's saying, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What are, you, what are you trying to say? What Jesus is saying here 
He understands what the question is asking or what the statement, I'll go wherever, wherever you go, I'll follow, uh, that this teacher of the law is saying. What Jesus is mentioning is this isn't like some sort of course that you do, right? You know, it's not like you get to study from me and then you graduate, right? That you get some sort of badge. There's not some completion point, right? Like we're not going somewhere and then, then we're going to build a school or we're going we're gonna to stay. Like if you have an identity in Jesus, you're on the move, right? Because he doesn't leave you there, and he doesn't take you somewhere and drop you off. It's, it's one of movement, right? That's what Jesus is saying. It's like, look, I don't even have a place to lay my head. He's not saying, I got, can I stay at your house tonight? You know, like he's saying, following me means you're, you're constantly moving, right? There, there's no destination. It's not a certain number of knowledge that you get, and then you get there, a certain experience, and you say, oh yeah, I went to that retreat with Jesus, you know, and, and you're 33, whatever it would be, you know, like Jesus is saying, no, if you're following me though, do you understand what this means? It means we're always going and we're always going to continue. The the second guy says there's this significant event that has happened in my life. Significant, right? You talk about like an identity crisis when your father dies, you know, you you say, oh, who am I? What are we doing? Where, Where are we going with this? We don't know any circumstances, but this is a significant situation that has occurred in his life. Jesus says, yes, you still follow me. Still motion. There's no time out, right? No matter what's happened in your life, there's, there's nothing that says sit in that for a while and then we move forward. Jesus says, no, let's move forward. I'll help you get through this. It's always in motion, right? Jesus accepts you right where you are. No judgment, but he's not going to leave you there. If your identity is with Jesus, you're in motion. Come along. Come along. Follow me. Uh, this continues. Uh, this key point, right, that he will not leave you there uh, even after Jesus leaves. So he dies on the cross. Uh, he's buried. And on the third day, he rises again. He offers this new life. And then just a few weeks later, he ascends back to the Father and says that's where he's seated at the right hand of the throne. Uh, and, and he told his disciples, wait, and then the Holy Spirit will come and continue. You know, what I started, this proclamation of the kingdom that's growing and developing of people, that's going to continue. And so the whole uh, rest of the New Testament is, is wrestling with that question, okay, well, what does this look like for us to have this identity? How does it go? Um, Paul writes in a couple places about this process of not being left where you are. In 2 Corinthians, uh, this 3, 17 through 18, uh, here's, a, here's a popular verse maybe you've heard before. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? I mean, this is a song that we've sung, right? The Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Yeah, except you don't sing it monotone when we sing it, right? You kind of actually have a tune. Um, but this is what it's talking about, right? Like when you are accepted, when you know that I can be me and I am loved, that, that is freeing. There's freedom, right? As opposed to the identities that say, you know what? You really should spend more time with your kids. You know, it's like, you know what? You really should do whatever it is. You should believe these things. You should say these things more, whatever it is. Uh, there's freedom. In the spirit, there is freedom. Also, God's not going to leave you there. So you can anticipate Paul's next phrase is going to be about something that's and, and we go forward. And that's exactly what he says. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We're we're jumping into the very middle of an argument. This unveiled faces means like seeing God for who he is. Um, understanding him. Uh, this, like for, in our terms, it's like having an identity that's actually placed in Jesus. But it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
right? Where the Spirit is, there is freedom. Oh, also, the Spirit is going to be changing you. There's going to be growth. There's going to be transformation. And I don't know, we don't have time to reflect on it this morning, but the model of our transformation, do you realize, like, God doesn't just coach us into who we're supposed to be, right? Like, he doesn't even just have, like, a personal plan, like, all right, uh, we'll work on this little thing for you. You're really struggling with this, so we'll help you over here. He's using a model of himself, of God and his perfection, and saying, I'll just make you more like me, like God, making us like God with, with ever-increasing glory. You know, it just feels like, whoa, God, no, I'm, I'm just me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you might want to work with someone else if, if you have that high of aims, right? No, no, no. God's doing this intentionally. The model, the goal for each one of us is to be like God, like himself. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is doing this, right? There's freedom. You're accepted, but you're not going to stay there. You're actually going to be made perfect. Like even, even in the midst of all of our confession, God loves us and wants to help us become something perfect, not just better. He says it similarly but different in Colossians. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. Again, we're just kind of parachuting into this passage. It's all about how are we supposed to live now that we have this identity in Jesus. Now, he's talking about this old self, this new self. Uh, you can kind of view the old self as having an identity somewhere else, but having a new self is this identity that's rooted in Christ. And we see that it is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Again, it, it feels like this uh, passive experience where if we're putting on this new self, we're putting on this identity, we are being renewed in the image of its creator to be like God. Uh, the, the one word that Paul adds here is in knowledge and the image of its creator. I was reading a, a theology textbook that really wanted to point out uh, that part of our development, part of our growth is going to be of our awareness of God, our, our knowledge of him. Uh, part of the reason why Christians and churches everywhere say, read your Bible, you know, study, listen to preaching. You know, we want to learn more about who this God is because that tells you where you're going, right? That, that helps you understand this process that the Holy Spirit is shaping you, and, and you will be able to, to better be able to see it and better be able to recognize, oh, God's growing me in this way. Oh, he's, he's nudging me to move in this direction the more that we know who God is, because that's our goal in the end. Uh, one thing that I'm doing this, this winter I've never done before uh, is coach my own sons. Uh, they've, they've always been involved in some sort of thing, and I've never actually coached them. And so I'm coaching uh, a rec league basketball team for fourth graders. Uh, and it's an absolute blast. Uh, and it's an absolute riot. Uh, so I played high school and college basketball. I've been a fan my whole life. I feel like I know a lot about basketball. And so I, had, I apologized to the parents on day one because all the drills I remember were for like 20-year-olds, you know? <laughs> and then you realize in that first practice, like, these kids are not 20-year-olds, you know? It's like, I mean, some kids have never played basketball at all. And they, like, literally at practice, they'd, they'd rather climb the bleachers, you know, and hang from the pull-up bar in the corner. And I was like, no, come in. Now, this drill's for five people. You know, it's like, I need you. They just stand in the corner. That'll work, you know? And, you know, they're, they're like, we try to put pennies on, you know, so that they can be like a different team. And they're just like, 
Hey, am I doing it right, coach? You're like, ah, you're funny, but uh, please put it on. Like, we, we got to like, we're trying, we're trying to work on some things, right? But then there's other kids that have played for years, you know? And so like, like helping them grow is like, hey, let's work on a crossover and dribbling with your left hand, right? Or, or like, instead of just shooting, let's see if we can shoot while we're running, you know? And others, it's just like, hey, don't run with the ball. You've got to dribble. You can't use both hands, <laughs> you know? Like, okay, we're going to have to practice this, you know? And so it's, it's all across the board, right? But then my goal is like, how can we make it fun? How can we make it engaging? And, and what I told the parents is, I would love for your kids to feel more confident about the basic skills, right? The dribbling, the passing, the shooting, just, just basic basketball. If we can just help them wherever they're at, just take that next step, I think it'll be a success. And we're going to have fun while we do it. And yesterday we had a game and it was, it was just really fun to watch because our team was like passing. <laughs> you know, it's like every, it, pass, pass. Hey, look, there's a guy open. God, okay, yeah, yeah, good. You know, like it feels that way. But yesterday it's like they were actually making passes, right? Like on defense, it feels like, no, 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 stay between him and the basket. Don't follow him around, you know, and they were doing it, you know, and it just felt like, yes, we're like making like one kid who hasn't, hasn't scored at all uh, this year. He had like two shots, and they were like off of rebounds. It's like, yes, put it up. You know, I didn't, didn't make it yet, but it's like you just see this development and this progress. And then I was reflecting. I was like, you know what? This, this is really close. Like the, the, the fourth grader identity of being a part of the Clovers, that's, that's what our team decided to call ourselves, uh, the Clovers. Um, that is like what it's like for us to have an identity in Christ. Where it doesn't really matter how much skills you're bringing to the table. You're part of the team. Equal playing time. We all, you know, and like... If, and God's the perfect coach, right? He has tremendous joy just to see the little thing. Just, look, we're in the right position. You know, it's like we made a pass. You know, it's like, and he loves it. You know, except for the fact like God's the best basketball player you could ever think, right? Better than Jordan. Better than, better than LeBron James, you know? Like he, he's the very best. And he says, I will help you. If you stay on my team, I will help you become me. Better than, every, you know, and, and it just feels like, that's the kind of radical inclusion and yet joy at the little progress that we can make that we need to understand with our relationship with God. Again, you know, addressing the issue that we talked about last week. We feel like God has these standards for us, right? It feels, confession's hard because it feels like, well, when I'm going to confess my sins before God, God's going to say like, you need to be better. But he's not, right? That's like me going, going to these little kids being like, you can't even dribble with your left hand yet. Well, come back to me when you can. No. God's like, excellent. Nice try. Here, try it like this. Let's use the pads of your fingers. Yeah, bend your legs a little bit more. Yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it. Like, we don't understand that when we confess our sins, God says, yeah, I can work with that. Come here. Let me show you, right? Not just forgiveness of sins, right? Like, he doesn't just say, that's okay. You can be on this team. He says, that's okay. You can be a part of this team. Here, let me help you right? Like, like I, you, you won't stay there. If you're part of the team, you're going to be better than you were when you joined, right? That's what we have, an identity in Jesus that I'm telling you, no other identity is giving you. No other identity is actively working to help you become a better version of yourself or to take those parts where you're, where you're a little bit rough or you're not quite as skilled and say, let me transform you. But God will. God wants to. God delights in that process. Uh, so what's our part then? This sounds very passive. I just kind of let God mold me, right? Um, kind of, 
kind of, because it's the Holy Spirit. It's not you. You're not the one doing it. Uh, but there is this partnership. We could go so many different passages to talk about it, but I'm going to read a chunk. Um, and I, I just want to let you listen to God's word. Um, there might be some path that you've got to take and spend some more time with this afternoon in it, um, but it's Galatians 5, 13, uh, all the way down to 26. It's that famous uh, fruit of the Spirit passage, uh, but we're going to start before then uh, to make sure we get it all. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Now look at that. It, it's the same starting point, right? In the Spirit, we have freedom. There is freedom. Like, breathe deeply. There is not judgment. There's not, you, you better do this. Why aren't you doing that? You need to do this better, right? There's freedom. But what's going to come next? It's going to be like, okay, yeah, and in that freedom, there's motion, right? There's growth. It says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So you, you get to choose uh, how, how you will uh, behave. I don't know, I was going to try to think of an analogy with basketball, but it's like if you, if you choose not to get better, uh, your team's going to get worse. You're not going to have as much fun. You don't want to, like, it's better to, get, to, to work, to get better, right, to submit to the Spirit. I'm mixing metaphors. You guys are going to have to follow. All right, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Uh, it gets a little wordy in there. What, what Paul's essentially doing is he's personifying the Spirit and your flesh, right? Your flesh is everything a part of you that, that opposes God, that doesn't want him. The spirit is God himself, the one that wants to shape and mold. It's, the, it's that perfect coach, right, that loves you but wants you to grow. Um, what Paul is saying is you get the choice of who's going to be your coach. Or, or like, um, I don't know if you had different friend groups growing up, like in high school or college. I certainly did, where if one friend group said, hey, come over to my place and hang out Friday night, um, like, I, I said yes, right, at least sometimes, and, and you kind of know what to expect, right? And, and, and for this particular person, you knew that you'd kind of have to watch and leave when things got uncomfortable, you know, like, there's times where I'm in the car, like, I'm not the one doing the wrong, but I was definitely there feeling uncomfortable, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, it's because you, you wanted to hang out with them. But then there's other people, hey, come to my place and hang out Friday night. I go hang out there, it's life-giving, I love it, I want to stay more, um, there's, there's, uh, encouragement, we're building each other, all because of who's, who's given the invitation, right? So Paul's kind of saying, like, you get to pick who you're hanging out with Friday night, right? But pick the person that you, that's going to give you what you want, right? Don't pick the person that's going to make you look over your shoulder and feeling like, ah, like, I don't know if this is it. And so this is what he says in verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, not only do they not inherit it, but that's, that's not a way to live. Like that, that don't, you, No one wants that, right? No one's aspiring to that. That's not, that's not the gap in their life. Where, like, I wish I could be. Like, this, this is difficult. That's, that's, that's a tough life. But the fruit of the Spirit, if we hang out with Him, if we choose to walk in His path, is love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing, the things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. What, what Paul's saying, what he's making the point to the, the church here, is that you get to pick who you're walking with, right? Who will be your coach, right? Whose team do you want to be on? Because one, one team, look, it, it'll lead to, to, to trash, and your life will be absolutely wrecked. But if you walk in step with the Spirit, look at this. Love, joy, peace. I learned patience as a kid, but it's forbearance now in the, what was it, this 20, 2012 NIV, 2014? I can't remember when it got redone. The kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that we're all aware we don't have, but we want, right? These are the things that other identities can't get you. They can't help you be more kind and more patient, more good, more self-control. But this is what the Spirit will guide you if we're willing to submit to him, right? You know, I can't make any of these fourth graders better at basketball, but I can give them drills. I can give them tips. I can tell them where to look, what to think, uh, options for them, but they have to show up to practice. They have to actually try, right? They have to choose to be on the team. That's like us. Uh, Our participation in this is that we choose to show up to practice, and when the coach says something, we say, okay, I'll give it a try, right? And he will grow us. He will grow us and develop us. So our life should be one in motion. If, if, if we have an identity in Christ, it doesn't mean that we just feel really good about ourselves, that we're loved. It means we feel really good about ourselves and we're loved and we're in motion. If you look back at your past year and you see the same person at the beginning of last year, I don't know if you fully understand who you are in Christ because God won't leave you where you are. He is moving you, right? If you, if you feel like you haven't heard God, right? Or like, I just, I don't know if he, he's moving me. Well, well, perhaps we're not listening, right? You aren't listening to the coach. Uh, perhaps you're not showing up to practice because there's this participation. If you're in Christ, he will love you. You will be accepted and he'll help you. He'll help you grow. You will move. If you've been a Christian for a long time in your life, decades, you know, always known him, you're not there yet. <laughs> you're still in motion, right? There's no, and you know, once, once you've been a follower for 30 years, then you can kind of just relax, right? No, 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 no. You're still growing. You're still in motion, right? None of us are God yet, right? <laughs> yes, definitely, right? That's why confession is helpful. It reminds us that we need to go to practice, and hopefully it reminds us that there's a God who loves us and will help us, not judge us like the world does. So choose. Choose your identity in Christ, Choose that to be your firm foundation that gives you this amazing freedom, but also know that God wants you to move. And if you let him move, if you let him coach you and instruct you, you're going to become better. <laughs> you're going you're to be um, more satisfied with who you are. You're going to become more beautiful to others around you as you reflect this glory, this glory of God that's reflected in your life. And then you will know that you are becoming that person you always hoped or wished that you would be. You're becoming the version you were created to be by your creator. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your love. Uh, It's hard for us to even grasp what that means or what that looks like, but I thank you for it. I thank you that you take seriously uh, the, the failures, the parts that we're struggling with, the parts we're not as skilled as or not as experienced with. I, I thank you that you work with us, uh, that you take that and you move forward, that you help us that you instruct us, that you're gentle and that you're kind. Uh, Thank you that Jesus modeled this with the people. 
Um, thank you for the expectations that we will not be the same person today uh, that we will be in the future, Lord. Uh, we want to follow you. So I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you give us the courage to show up, to practice. And I pray that you would help us see ourselves the way you see ourselves and that you would continually form us to be made like you. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, we've got three questions, and this is uh, the part of the sermon, or the part of the Sunday morning, which is why all the chairs are different. So we kept hearing feedback that you guys thought it was very difficult to have conversations with people across multiple rows, and so we said, what if we gave the rows a little bit more space? And so... uh, what our thought is, is that each row could have a discussion. If you're kind of in a row by yourself, jump into someone else's row because there's plenty of room and just curl the edges in. Uh, and now we've got like a little semicircle. We can have a discussion. Uh, the goal for this is that we would just practice a little further applying what we've talked about and what we've uh, learned this morning. So three questions. In what areas do you feel judged by the world? Uh, what do you find difficult about God's desire to grow you? And then how has God moved you in the past few weeks? Let's uh, take seven minutes or so, and then I'll come up and I'll dismiss us. All right, feel free to stay as long as you'd like. Uh, If you can, toss chairs on top of each other at the end. But as you go this week, choose your identity in Christ. You are fully loved and be looking for God to be coaching you up, growing you, moving you forward. Go this week in the Lord's peace.